0: Are you seeking a better way to accelerate your sales, to scale your business, to live a life with no limits? Accelerate Sales Podcast features global experts who have cracked the code to recurring revenues with proven sales systems and get you on the fast track to scaling. Now let's accelerate your sales with today's episode. Hi, I'm Paul Higgins, and welcome to the Accelerate
1: Sales Podcast, episode number 456. Today, you're going to learn three key things. One is when is it time to hire a manager? The second is what systems do they need to help them, you, and the team? And the third thing is what scorecards, and most importantly, when to review those scorecards. First time listener, and you love what you hear, please subscribe and welcome. It's great to have you here. We really help cloud consultants to scale. So if you're a cloud consultant, you're in the right place. And if you're a regular, why don't you send me an email at paul at paulhigginsmentoring.com to tell me what topics you would love me to cover in the future, or maybe you've got a guest that you would like me to interview. could even be you. You can get the full transcript at paulhigginsmentoring.com and also a brief summary of the show notes. Before we go into the interview with Juliana, I'd like to thank our sponsors. The first is the Cloud Consultants Collective. It's a free Slack community of like-minded cloud consultants helping each other to scale. You can go to cloudconsultantscollective.com. And the second is SendSpark. It's a brilliant video platform that allows you to personalize at scale. We've been using it very successfully in the community for sales, and we'd love you to try it out. Actually, you can get six months free by going to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash so send spark the links are in the show notes our guest today is a cracker uh, she's a business operations expert speaker and founder of scale time with over 20 years of experience across wall street the non-profit sector tech startups and family-owned businesses she now serves over 400 plus digital agencies so they're all service-based so even if you're not a digital agency you're going to learn a lot From today's podcast. She's been featured on Forbes, Entrepreneur. She helps up level businesses into lean, mean, profitable machines. I love that. On average, uh, Juliana and her team create uh, ways to free up at least 30 hours per week for her clients so that they can successfully run their agency without them in it. Founders can find themselves saying, I do what I want, how I want, whenever I want, not now. That is freedom, and you've got to agree with that. So now I'll hand you over to my interview with Juliana Maralanda from Scale Time. Juliana, fantastic to have you here.
2: I am so excited to be with you again, Paul. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Yeah, well, you were on episode 346, it was Scaling Your Agency. So go and have a listen to Juliana there. But today we're going to sort of dive into a very specific topic that Juliana will, will introduce, talk to, which I think is um, you know more pertinent for the times, and also the change in direction of the the podcast since uh, episode uh, three four nine. And uh, Juliana and I go way back; we know each other really well. So uh, this will be a casual conversation with huge impact for you. So uh, I'd highly recommend getting a you know wherever you are a pen, your your iPad out, whatever to take some notes and uh, there'll be a full transcript in the website, which is mentoring.com forward slash podcast. And it's episode 456. So, Juliana, so first question, who's your ideal client? Who, who do you love to work with?
2: So my ideal client are marketers usually digital agencies of all sorts right we've got creatives um paid media influencers social um affiliate marketers and you know those individuals who are really in the precipice of growth um yeah. uh, we're talking you know high six figures seven and eight figures and They are, you know, have a team that's about to grow um, or are growing um, and they're Trying to get out of the growing pains, per se, right? So they're they're trying to scale um, with their people, their process, and the profits, as well as their sanity. And they've hit an impasse, and they're like, ah, I can't keep throwing people at the process issues. I need some help with my systems. Um, how do I do that? That's kind of where they come to us.
1: Yeah, great. And uh, yeah. you know, you briefly touched on it then, but you know, what are sort of the the key problems you're seeing for them at the moment?
2: Some of the key problems are, you know, they they might have gotten some systems down. They have a team. People are doing things, but they're still stuck in the weeds. Owners are still firefighting. They're establishing a leadership team that may or may not really have leadership. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes they are trying to go for those bigger, better, badder clients, but they're not ready yet because they, you know, even though they've hit, great growth and maybe even great notoriety they might just not have their stuff together where they feel really solid and so that's usually where they're starting to to think through okay um i have to start thinking systemically and as a bigger business so that i can really truly meet you know our business potential
1: yeah and look i always ask people you know how many hours you're working and they sort of tell me you know that's how our 40 50 i say come on you know, like it's just Mm -hmm. you and I here, you tell me the real hours and it's always north of that, right? And they're like, yeah, I, I, you know, I set this agency up to sort of, you know, work less, have a better lifestyle, et cetera, but I seem to be working longer than I've ever had before and et cetera, et cetera, right, which you hear and you're probably nodding because that's probably you here. So we're going to, you know, have some solutions for you in a moment. But what about the, I I know, you know, the, the wages just went through the roof, right, you know, particularly in the U.S., uh, you know, sort of uh, during COVID and post, like, has that sort of settled a little bit? Have they come back to a more of a, a, a normal position or are the wages still really high?
2: The wages are still pretty high. What has shifted is um, the employer employee market. Right. And yeah. so what we saw for a good amount of time is employees really had their pick and, Departments were fighting for talent, right? I mean, we saw things where like as part of the the sign-on packages for, you know, like junior level marketers and even some, you know, medium level marketers, there was like trips to Hawaii and to Haiti and like you know, as part of just signing bonuses. And so it it was really difficult for smaller businesses to compete for talent. Thanks. now, um, in the states as as you might have seen there's been a bunch of layoffs in the tech industry um and so it's changed the game so now it's become more of an employer market so not so much for wages but the the fight for talent has has definitely changed um hands in terms of power right so employees just don't have the same um Power, I would say, as they did last year when it came to looking for jobs, right, and so you know, and there was a bunch of trends, like quiet quitting and all this stuff, and now they've realized, oh oh, I need to keep my job um, <laughs> so I think, um, not so much on salaries, like salaries have stayed relatively stable, but I think what has changed are bonuses, incentive plans, and um just the the supply and demand of the market
1: yeah which is great news right so for you listening that's that's great news and just quickly before we get into the key topic again is what are some of the best sources so if you're an agency owner at the moment you might be thinking you know like i used to source from these people or like where are you seeing the predominant um success in the sourcing patterns at the moment for really good talent um
2: so i would say so in the past right um some of the the best places and you know if you're sourcing for let's say creative talent um <laughs> i would always point to the ukraine and yeah. um eastern europe for like it's they they've got great design schools um you know they they have great talent and and as we know that has been a very sticky situation yeah. um which is unfortunate so people have shifted over for similar um You know, so if we're looking for similar quality and price point over to South America, um, you know, we've seen a lot of, you know, creative talent in places like Colombia, Venezuela, um, Uruguay, Argentina um, as well. So geographically, um, you know, for things such as like paid advertisement, things like that. We see a lot of recruitment from South Asia, um, Bangladesh, India, Pakistan, um, where there seems to be more technical talent. Um, And, you know, for administrative talent, um, Eastern Europe, South America, uh, Philippines is huge, right? With all of the different VA companies that have come out of the Philippines in the last couple of years. So we're starting to see, you know, for more affordable talent um, dispersed geographically. And then of course, you know, you have your talent, whether, um, you know, people are sourcing in their respective countries and and what the different nuances are there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah. And and look, you know, certainly I know that, you know, you're originally from South America and, you know, found that to be a fantastic market, especially with the time zones for the U S it's, uh, it's brilliant. And uh, yeah, I've been overly impressed. We've got, team members in uh, Colombia. we've had team members in venezuela and it's uh, it's fantastic and um uh, what i'll do off air is sort of get some resources so many resources you've got we'll add those to the show notes but i want to get into the heart of it which is you know, you effectively got a team you're you know you, you're running this agency and and it seems like you're always the last stop right you're the quality control you're the, <laughs> the person that keeps getting dragged back in and you're like you know I want, I want to actually run the agency i want to do the strategy i want to do the sales but I'm constantly pulled back into, you know, finishing work or, you know, how do I do this, et cetera. And I know that you've been dealing with that problem a lot lately in an agency. Why don't you just, you know, in your words, explain it uh, what it is and then some of the ways that we can, uh, can, uh, uh, you know, solve it.
2: I would say for a lot of agency owners, right. Um, and, and sometimes even agency leaders Um and, You know, if and this would I I would include consulting agencies. Of this, right? Like, if you run a consulting firm, um, you know, you're service based, and you are running a an organization that you know the highest piece of it is really people, right? Yes, um, yes. The services you're, you're dealing with people, whether you want yes. to or not. Um, so um, it's, it's the whole idea of like getting dragged back into the weeds. I I would say, right. So I think there's, there's a couple of statements, um, you know, that owners, we said, it was like, Oh, I'm stuck in the weeds again. Right. Or yeah. uh, I have to put out another fire. Um, or the other one is like, Oh, you know, isn't this supposed to be common sense? Um, And I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Common sense does not exist. Please remove that right. from your vocabulary. Yeah. Common, common, um, yeah. common
1: sense <laughs> isn't common, as we've always said.
2: Exactly, yeah. right. And so, so I think one of the biggest lifts that you can start to think of, like, is like, where are you getting bottlenecked, right? So, yes. um if it's firefighting, like, what are your procedures for escalation, right? Like, like if you were to brain dump. Um, you know, here's the 10 most common fires that I'm putting out like on a monthly basis. Like, where are they coming from? Um, Is it your team? Is it your clients? You know, are you being pulled into client meetings? Are you are you doing quality review? Right. Are you like, oh, crap, I keep looking at this piece of creative because my team just isn't, you know, at the level of sophistication. You know, I'm playing creative director, even though that may not be my job title. Like what job titles have you all, all of a sudden put on that you you're like, that's not where I should be spending my time, energy or efforts because I need to be growing the business, right? Like yes. I need to be doing, you know, things that are strategic. Yes. Um, I need to be focused on sales, whether that's individual sales or you're out speaking, you know, doing mass sales yes. or I'm doing marketing, right. And really helping to bring in business, um, is kind of where I, as the owner quote unquote belong, yes. but you're not, Right. Because yes. you're checking stuff before it goes out the door. Yes. Um, and Paul, I know you've dealt with this, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yourself, right?
2: Still, <laughs> Um, and and with, you know, and, and with your clients. So
1: yes.
2: So I would point to like a lot of the times I've spoken about like systems for your team. But I think for your audience, Paul, like your your people, right? Like I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you have some level of team in place, right? And they're doing you know, a decent enough job that they're still doing it. Yes. <laughs> so that's kind of where we're at. So now it's like, okay, do you have managers to manage the team? Because a lot of your time is being sucked in into what we call management, yes. right? Whether that's managing quality, managing people, managing production, um, you know, managing accounts, like where are you spending most of your time managing? And and that's where I would start to think about, like, if you if you look at the bulk of it, right, like, where are you stuck managing? Um, and so if you can think through that from, a, from an information standpoint, right, you're like, okay, well, the bulk of it is being spent on, you know, client meetings. It's yes. like, okay, well, now we need an account manager. And you may or may not have one, right? So you might say, okay, well you know, I don't have an account manager. Okay, well, this is time, you know, to look at the books and see whether or not you can afford one because chances are you need one. If you're stuck managing production, it's like, do, you know, is it kind of making sure that deliverables are being met? Do you need a project manager? Um, Do you have a project manager, but the quality isn't there? Like, do we need someone to be trained up on quality of review? Like, what does that look like? So I think identification of like what type of managers you need is step one.
1: Yeah. Right. Yep. Right. And and for the I, I know that I normally recommend people say, look, you know, your ideal org chart, put it down and then you put dollar values, right? So at X mm-hmm. amount of revenue or X amount of profit, however you want to run the business, you would then trigger an event, i.e., trigger a hire. You know, how how do you go about when's the best time to put these managers on?
2: I would take a look at so it's it's interesting because people often talk about like you know when do we hire um we can actually predict when to hire right if we if we have some numbers so um i 100% agree with you like you know put together a north chart put some numbers to it. And I don't care if this org chart is like the most beautiful thing on earth or yeah. if it's on a napkin, like Correct. draw that thing out on a napkin, right? Yes. Um, Circle where you're most, you know, where, where you've got the most people and then say, okay, like now I need someone to manage these people. Yeah. Um
1: and, and what sort of ratios it? do you normally work with in an agency world? Like, you know, like I know mm. it, back when I was in Coca-Cola, it was sort of like a one to eight, one to 10 from uh, a leader to a, uh, or a, a manager or a leader to to team size. What what do you see sort of in the agency space?
2: Um, I would agree with that with team size, but also like if you are doing account management, um, you're also looking at about if you have good systems, and that's going to be the second thing. Like for your managers, um, you know, you can stretch it out a little bit more. So with with account managers, are like oh one to ten. It it also depends on the level of. Um, accounts that you have right so like if you're doing high volume um you know and you don't have a lot of touch points like one account manager especially if it's really high volume can handle like you know 35 to 40 accounts if it's if it's really high volume now if it's low volume high touch we're usually looking at about you know 12 to 15 clients um if we have good systems in place right um if they're you know, if, if they're really struggling at eight, I would consider taking a look at the types of, you know, systems that we have in place. So you can increase the capacity of your account managers.
1: Yeah. And like you said, the second point was systems. Tell us a little bit about systems. Cause mm-hmm. I know it's a bit like the word strategy, right? Everyone's got a completely mm-hmm. different interpretation or definition mm-hmm. of it, but what's your definite, nefin- oh, sorry, definition of <laughs> a system. And uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And tell us more about that.
2: Yeah. So I would say, so once you've identified the type of manager that you need, right? So is it production? Is it project management? Is it account management? Um, You know, do you? you need an ops manager? So then I would start to think through, okay, what what is the system? So when I think about a system, I think about sort of these five spokes um, to this system node, if I'm going to be very geeky about it. Um, So um, it's not just the tool that you're using, right? Sometimes when people think about systems, they're thinking about... they're thinking about SaaS or technology yes. or automation, yes. right? Yes. And I think that's a great piece of it yes. um, because that's going to give you transparency. That's going to give you a place for communication, visibility. So definitely it's a good place to start, but that's not the only thing, yes. right? Because sometimes I'm like, well, you know, you've got this tool, right? And let's say it's a CRM tool yes. um, for your sales team, or let's say um, it is a project management tool. Um it's like, are your people using it? Are they using it effectively? Do you have 100% participation, right? Like, like then we get into all those calls, which I think we talked about last time. Um, So, but for me, it's like, okay, you have a tool. Do you have workflows in that tool? Like, is that tool now trackable? Um, Because sometimes you're like, yeah, we have a process. Okay, cool. Who owns it, right? Oh, it's in this person's head. Okay, cool. Is it in the tool, right? Like, can we track it? Um. And then you know we we'll start to get in mixed answers. So we have a tool. We've got workflows, right, that we can actually track that are documented in a tool. Yeah. Um, do we have assets, repeatable assets to support this? Yes. Right. Like that's that's the the other piece, right? So you're like, oh, we're reinventing the wheel. We're doing decks. Um, you know, if you have a content strategy, your content calendars. Like, do we have? these pieces that are repeatable that your team can reuse with different clients. Now, when I say repeatable, I'm not saying hundred percent cookie cutter, you yeah. know, repeatable. There's, there's always going to be a level of customization. So 80, 20, is it 80% repeatable? And then 20%, can you add your magic, your creativity, your la genius to it? Right? Like, can we do that? So that's the third. Then is there training? Yes. Right. Cause a lot of times people are like, oh, you know, we have SOPs, we have procedures. Um, we may or may not have documents. We may or may not have things that we can track. But like, like do you have training enough to know whether someone can do this and perform well? Right. Yes. Is there comprehension? So so that's the fourth piece to the system. And training is really important. I won't belabor the point, but it increases your productivity and your production by 25%. So a lot of us are like, we don't have time, but to create that level of productivity is going to increase your profits, and it's going to allow you to have a way more efficient and effective team. Yes. The last piece to the system is metrics. Yes. Are you measuring the system? Because What gets measured gets managed. And a lot of the times when you're being pulled back into the weeds, right, is because either we don't have someone to manage, you know, these teams and the processes that go along with the job responsibilities of these teams. Um, And if we do have them, they're just not being effective because we're not setting them up to manage without things that are measurable.
1: Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Spot on. And, and look, I think, you know, they're, they're great. So there was tools, workflows, assets, training, and metrics. And, uh, just quickly on the training, I think there's, you know, I, we, you is something that I use all the time, which is, you know, you do it, you do it together and then you get them to train you. And, you know, there's so many gaps that you see because you're right, you're busy, you're putting out fires, you know, you you got lots on your plate and you just want to quickly tick the box that, okay, we've trained that person, move on, right? And then it comes mm-hmm. back and bites you, et cetera. And then, you know, it's it's the old thing, you know, like the better the input, the better the output. So, you know, I think that um, that method alone, if you take that in the training component, is really important. So you've talked about, overall, we talked about getting the right people, getting the managers in place. We've talked about the next one is the systems. And you've talked about, I love how you've broken that down into the five spokes. Uh, what's the third thing?
2: and then it's you know do we have like scorecards set up for our our managers right like what are they actually managing because what i have often seen is we have we're like okay i'm i'm stuck doing x y and z right um i'm going to get a manager in place or i'm going to train up my current manager because they're you know whatever level they're at right they're you know 1 to 10 they're a 5 right so we're going to train them up um and then the managers like all over the place. They're trying to figure out the team. They're trying to get buy-in. They're trying, you know, they're, they're. I wrote a piece on like the twenty-seven different conversations that managers are having with employees on any given time, right? And you're like, what are they doing all day? Why are they just talking to people? Um, yes, yes. <laughs> like they're, you know, they're they're managing their people, um, and and we haven't set them up to succeed for what we want them to do. So it's like, do they have scorecards, right? And this is the metric piece so that they know exactly what they're responsible for. Like what are the needles that they're supposed to be moving? And what is the performance that we want them to get out of the team and themselves? So oftentimes what I feel like is missing is the scorecards where we're measuring the performance of our managers so that they can self-calibrate and get us out of the weeds
1: yeah yeah I think that's so important. and you know I know we spoke before coming on air It was around how do you assess whether someone's doing a good job or not? right? so mm-hmm. you, you know uh, and I think you know that having those scorecards is so critical. To do that. And, and, you know, some of you have come from a large corporate background where you're used to having those systems and processes. For me, I was lucky Coca-Cola, they're 150 years old. And, you know, we used to complain because they measured too much. Right. Like it was like, just mm-hmm. let us do the job. It was like the opposite. But yeah, I, I often see um it, it's it's like I've hired the person and that's it. All I got to do is hire mm-hmm. the person. I just trust them to do their job. But as we know that that doesn't work or it doesn't work well, right? You've got to do more than that. And, and if you look at the scorecard and if you just think from a project management point of view, right? What are a couple of the key metrics on a scorecard that you would have for someone that's doing project management?
2: Yeah, so for project management, um, it depends on where you are, right? So, and I think that metrics, very similar to any system that you put in, right? You want to start with, you know goals that are easily attainable and then increase them through time right so um so before you're starting to like you know oh we're going to get into racey charts and this is and that in, in your project management right like if you don't have your project management set up um you know it might be something like okay um we we want 100% participation in the project management tool right and like and it's the project manager's job to get that so you know, we, we can just start with participation. Um, this sometimes it's like, let's just get there first, right? Like, let's get people into the system and using it um, and using it fluently. Um, you know, uh, again, like if you're just starting out, it could be something as simple as like, you know, looking at people's participation, um, you know, seeing if people are cleaning out their notifications, um, you know, measuring the backlog of your project management, right? So all of a sudden you're in there and you're like, well, this client's being unprofitable. And, you know and they have like let's say you're you're doing content for the client and they've got about three quarters worth of backlog because they haven't reviewed their stuff um yes. it may not necessarily be your team's fault um yes. but someone needs to be having a conversation with this person right and so if we don't see that backlog we have no idea what's going on so so backlog is you know a very simple thing to start to be able to to measure so we can calibrate our projects and our retainers um I think one of the most important things for anyone who's delivering um, deliverables, if it were, right, to to clients is on-time deliverables, OTD, right? Like, are you on time? Um, We see this so much, especially with websites. Websites are phenomenal for going over, right? Um, And so can we, you know, what's our measurement there? Are we at 90% on-time deliverable? You know, I've seen things like we're twenty percent on time deliverable, um, and then we start getting into for our more sophisticated project managers, like what are the the project profitability, right? You know, what are we doing in terms of, you know, team workflows and capacity, uh, resource forecasting, right? You know, being in charge and making sure that um, our people have the right you know, capacity so that they're not burning out so that we're communicating with sales. Um, Now we go back to the hiring question, right? Like if we can measure what we're doing in terms of our resources and we know what the pipeline is coming in because we're measuring everything. now we can start to make better hiring decisions of when we're hiring. So we're like, okay, well, you know we we're reaching capacity, we've got a pipeline, we've got X percent of closing ratio. We know that we're getting this many projects in the next couple of months. we need to start hiring now, right? So now we start making those very data driven decisions, as opposed to just being reactive and like, oh, crap, we got to hire people, um, but, right? Or, you know, and so so that becomes where where the project management role starts to evolve and and become a true member of leadership.
1: And end around the scorecard, so how often should the scorecard be reviewed? So, you know, is it in, yeah, you tell me sort of the frequency or well, some of the management routines that you've seen work really well for agencies to review the scorecards and then obviously put you know, positive actions towards them?
2: Yeah, so I think scorecards... In an ideal world, right, you're like, oh, everything's going to be automated and it's going to be great and we're going to have dashboards and, you know, and and the system is going to tell us all the information. And And I think you said something earlier. Was it like um, good input in, good output out, right? So yeah. um, you have to build that, right? So yes. depending on the systems that you have, right, from a technology piece, from a visibility piece. So with the scorecards, I say start low tech, you know. Yes. A Google Sheet, a spreadsheet, yes. whatever. Um, have people own the metrics, right? So, as as a group, as a collective, as owners, and the individuals, you you set up what the what the what the actual KPIs or what the key performance metrics are, yes. and then you hold the people responsible for maintaining them, right? Because yes. what you don't want to do is then put the additional burden on the managers or the owners to to own the metrics, right? I I often think that metrics should go from the bottom up. Yes. Right. Um, and when the technology isn't doing it from the bottom up, you have your people do it. They're going to kind of complain. And then you can go back to the other thing about how getting people buy into adopt things. That's a whole other conversation. But get them to really own it, because that way if they start owning their metrics. They start owning their performance. And that's a huge deal. Um, how often do they do they do it? I would say, you know, have it at a cadence where they're putting in their information once a week, and then it gets reviewed once a month. Um, and then that way, you know, if you're doing, you know, one-on-ones um, in an ideal world right? You'd have a monthly one-on-one. In the real world, if you can get it done like once a quarter, that's great because now you have data that you can use to calibrate someone and you're not waiting an entire year before yes. you're thinking about doing a performance review. You may or may not actually be able to implement it. <laughs> and then you're deciding whether or not you want to keep someone on, right? So so now we've got a feedback loop that actually works for managers.
1: Yeah, t- totally agree. And I think, you know, it's, Like I said, Coke was, you know, got to the point where it was um, analysis by paralysis, right? So we had too much information, but I think it's, you know, I think uh, you can definitely look at the couple of key measures that are going south, right? So you got your reds Mm -hmm. on your scorecard and make sure you, what are the now, one or two actions that you're gonna solve those. But also don't forget the greens, which are doing really well and compliment people, right? Because we all want to know that we're doing a great job. And so often it's just easy to look at the reds on the scorecard and not actually congratulate people for the things that are doing well. But you know, if you look at the 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 um the the overall structure so we had, you know, get the right people in place. So have the right managers in place. The second is have the right systems and then the third thing had the scorecards to do it and why is this this is to allow you to actually not get down in the weeds all the time not be the the uh, point of control all all the time or not you know well i just want to know this or can you help me with this and and i um i used to when i was in corporate actually you know people i, I was quite open and had some rules of engagement one of them was if my office door was shut when we used to have office doors most of us don't have them anymore but when mm-hmm. we did it and it was like when my office store i'm doing something really critical right and I don't want you to interrupt me when you're doing analysis. It's an absolute emergency. So just write down all the things that you were going to ask me if they're not time sensitive. And then when we meet once a week or when we whatever, you've got a catalogue there of all the things you want to go through, right? So it's little simple things like that. And you having rules with your team and guidelines with your team that allow you to not be stuck in the weeds, but using Julia owner's system. It allows you to actually build the competency of your team. And, and the last thing I'll say here is that, you know, you don't have to be brilliant at doing this yourself, right? This is what Juliana does each and every day, right? She loves it. You can see her passion. She gets in there. She's done it before. She's worked with HubSpot agencies. She's worked with consulting agencies, like you said, services to the same. And she gets in there and actually makes it easy for you, right? So you don't have to have all the answers. All you got to do is get a Juliana in who then can help you with your team. And I think that's the the, the critical thing, right? Because, um, you know, you don't have all the skills. You're not going to be good at everything. And this operational space is often, you know, really tricky and it is hard. It's easy to get sucked in and to waste a lot of time. So um, if you want someone, certainly reach out to Juliana. So her uh, website is scaletime.co which is right on topic, so scaletime.co, and that'll be in the show notes. So what we're going to do now is, and we could talk for a, long, a lot longer, but we've got to go now into the, the rapid fire to round the interview out so you can get back to implementing some of these changes. So the first one is um, from a sales perspective, what are some of the daily habits that you do, Juliana, to help you get more clients that you help?
2: I do CRM hygiene on a daily basis. And um, what is CRM hygiene? It's like I go into my CRM and I clean it out um, because if, if I don't do that, then I forget. Right. And 80% yeah. of sales is done in follow-up. So I got to make sure that people, you know, are in the right stages that we're following up with them. Um, that my team is doing a good job of keeping on top of leads and, you know, and all that good stuff. So I think the number one habit is like brushing my teeth, uh, CRM hygiene. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Very and, uh, the next is, you know, where do you find out more about sales?
2: One, I would say from you, because you're always on top of the game. So I think you're one of my my resources. And and there's a couple of other uh, sales trainers and sales individuals that I am lucky enough to be able to ping, right? So if there's anything that I'm like, ooh, there's an interesting trend in the market right now. What's going on? Or all of a sudden, I'm like hearing a very specific objection. Um, And I'm like, okay. So I think one of the things that is really important is to kind of pay attention to those trends. And then I'm lucky enough to be able to reach out to experts and, and ask them what their thoughts on and what their pulse on the market is.
1: Right. And if we could grant you one wish right, for your business right now, scale your time, what would that be?
2: One wish to scale my time. I think right now um, we are actually growing um, our success champions. So if I could just, you know, be able to get three to five success champions, and if I could magically have them appear, uh, that would be my
1: <laughs>
2: Um, I think that that would be it. Yes. <laughs>
1: Great. And like I said, you've been working in this agency space for a long time. You are hands on. And then agencies now, you're helping agencies to, to get out of those weeds. What do you know now about this world that you wish you had have uh, learned a lot earlier?
2: Dirty drafts. So one of the things that I tell people all the time is, you know, it's so much better to implement something that is a dirty draft than to try to get it perfect, right? So whether that's an SOP, whether that's training, whether that's assets, whether that's even client-facing stuff. Um, And I say this especially to my creative people. Um, You want to make it look beautiful. I get it. But, you know, start with functionality. Just get it out there. Get feedback um, and and implement faster. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think that's 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 brilliant. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Well, um, you know, as I said, you can get all the resources from Juliana at ScaleTime.co. We'll have all the links in the show notes. But uh, thanks for coming back, being a repeat guest. Uh, you can go check out three four nine, which is probably more holistic on scaling an agency. But I think this has been brilliant because it really addresses a key problem that I see each and every day. Which is people constantly getting drawn back, and ultimately, let's say if you're working fifty hours a week, right? They don't expand, so it's the quality of time where you spend it, and what you spend it on is going to make the difference between you having a brilliant lifestyle and and your family, um, you know, absolutely loving it versus being stuck and and not. So um, you know, please reach out to Juliana, and uh, Juliana, as always, brilliant to have you on the podcast.
2: Uh, it's always a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, Paul.
1: Great, thanks. Bye. Love that interview with uh, Juliana, and she was on episode three four nine, as I said. So go back and check that one as well if you love this one. But uh, yeah, just love the way that she you now helps you get out of the weeds, right? With the t- the managers, the systems, and also the scorecards. Uh, why don't you share a link what you've learned with her on LinkedIn? The her profile is in the show notes. Uh, also, you can get a full transcript on at paulhigginsmentoring.com, and there's a brief show note, uh, show notes here, like a summary. And also, you can get all the links there. And uh, you know, why don't you let others know? So you know, agency owners, you know, other people are running uh, service-based businesses. They may be stuck in the weeds and really want some help. So why don't you share this with them? They'll love you for it. They'll think you're a rock star. Check out our solo shows. If you're scaling your cloud consulting business and want to know the blueprint to success so you can see where you're at and most importantly, fill the gaps, just go to mentoring.com forward slash blueprint to get your free copy today. And as always, please take action to accelerate your sales.
0: I'm fired up after today's episode. What about you? But hey, before you go, learning is just one piece of the puzzle. Now it's time to put today's strategy into action. Head over now to today's show page at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast and share how you'll put it into action. Be sure to head over to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Tell me what your favorite episode is and don't wait one minute more to gain access to your pulse check at paulhigginsmentoring.com. This could be the difference between struggling to get more leads and making this next quarter your best one yet.